0: Mentally or physically, success can be found as getting up one more time after you've been knocked down over and over and over again. I'm T. Wood, and this is Triumphant Moments, where I highlight significant moments in life that are far beyond the surface to inform, encourage, and inspire people to triumph over their life's challenges. With me today It's Dr. Parham. He is the current president of California State University, Dominguez Hills. He holds a bachelor's degree in social ecology from University of California, Irvine, a master's in counseling psychology from Washington University in St. Louis, and a Ph.D. in counseling psychology from Southern University at Comberdale. He is a licensed psychologist with more than 35 years as a scholar and a practitioner. There's a tremendous number of accolades that I could highlight right now. However, personally, to me what stands out is his love for the culture, knowledge he's willing to provide and his unique leadership skills. Welcome my brother, Dr. Parham,
1: how are you? T Woods in the house, I'm uh, delighted to be here. I thank you for honoring me with an invitation to uh, join your show. And um, I'm here to just wax and wane, brother, and see if we can't share some knowledge with our listeners and uh, uplift everybody. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Now, let's go ahead and jump right on into it. Let's go ahead and jump right on to it. Um, If you were to describe your upbringing in your household, how would you describe it? You know,
1: siblings. So I had a I had a very uh, happy upbringing. my mother and my father, I was born in New York, St. Albans, New York, right out on 167th Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, address 144-6780 Ooh. Street. I been there since I was three years old, but, you know, brother got one in memory. So I just remember that uh, out in Jamaica, Queens. And gotcha. my mother and my father uh, split when I was about three years old. Mm. And so I was the third of four children. So my mother grabbed all four of us. Uh, we moved out to Los Angeles, California, which is where my grandmother, her mother was. Okay. And uh, we grew up in L.A. So I've been in L.A. since I was about three other than, you know, traveling around in, in grad school and and then worked on the East Coast for a while. Hmm. But back to growing up. Uh, so grew up in a single parent household. Uh, my sister's oldest. I've got one older brother and one younger brother. So there's four of us. Okay. Um, you know, financial constraints were real. Uh but I'm always blessed by that. I mean, I had one of those one of those mothers who was just um, one of those special people, and uh, her name was Sadie Parham, so when you hear the Spinner sing that song about Sadie, Don't You Know We Love You,
0: don't uh, you when she you left this
1: world, the transition to the realm of the ancestors, that was actually on her tombstone, Sweet Sadie, Don't You Know We Love You, and wow. um, I, I owe a lot to her, uh, certainly was my best friend, and uh just a life teacher around a whole range of things. And uh, this is a woman who raised four kids by herself, wow. worked for the government 32 years, other than taking time off for, you know, having kids in between.
0: Right.
1: Never earned more than $18,000 a year. Got four kids, went to college, three finished, two with PhDs, and uh, nobody on drugs, nobody in jail, nobody in the gang. Come on, so, when girl. you talk about my upbringing and how it worked, because people worry about uh, I can't do it with one. This woman did it with four.
0: Man, come still on.
1: Got through. So, I ain't got nothing but love for her and blessings for my background. And this uh, place we call Los Angeles, that was a special place to grow up because it was such a multicultural mecca mm-hmm. uh, and helped me really develop uh, a sense of connectedness to people uh, from different uh, cultural worldviews and traditions. And just the respect for people's humanity, I think, from different colors. So uh, that was my background growing up. Loved it.
0: Now, then when you're looking at that, I believe we, we can both basically say safe to say that there were many different temptations of many different challenges around, let's say, the neighborhood, within the neighborhood, places you may travel. I am trying to figure out in my head right now. How did Miss Sadie, how did Miss Sadie? Keep you all from being exposed to that, or were you exposed to it, and you just found a way to just survive that? All the things that are on the outside, and things that, around that time growing up, Los Angeles.
1: See, I don't think I don't think any parent can keep a child so insulated. Thank you. That you aren't exposed to some of that. The the, the challenge is not simply how to predict the environment, even though people try to move around geographically to see if they can expose it. But right. as much as you, you could be at a party across town and you know doing something else or driving me, so right. trouble follows you almost anywhere. The real challenge is to be able to have enough, you know, principled uh, uh, behavior right. that is is anchored in a way that, that uh, honors the value and the sacrifice that, in this case, my mama was making to when you get to those forks in the road, you make important and tough choices that open up opportunities and limit others. So you're really uh, setting aside that risk vulnerability because you try not to put yourself in those risky positions that are gonna wind you up, you know, either in trouble with the law or something else. Mm -hmm. You also try as much as possible to build for yourself this kind of intellectual, emotional, Um, and almost spiritual force field so that when things come your way, you, you are navigating that and filtering it through the conceptual template that you already have in your head. Your mind is always the strongest thing. And it's that conceptual template. If ideas are the substance of behavior, let me say that again. If ideas are the substance of behavior, Then the goal is not something to react like a pinball to every little situation that goes on in your life. The goal is to step back a minute in the same way that brothers and sisters sequentially analyze. Mm -hmm. You step back, analyze the situation, you filter it through the conceptual template you have in your head that is anchored in those values Mm -hmm. that you've been trained with Mm -hmm. and socialized with. And then whatever decision you make becomes much easier. Because you're not simply reacting. You're really coming out of who you believe you are at the core of your being. And so that's what's important. And that's how you're able to to do that.
0: Now, when I sum it up in my mind to what you just broke down, does the type of lens you're looking through play a role in that?
1: Oh, oh, absolutely. Um, The. The lens, the cultural worldview has a way of shaping reality for everybody. Thank you. So that, that um, part of my makeup, I've always been a person who has a big heart. Right. So when most people brother Woods, see things where they feel it and then they run it through their head so they make rational decisions, mm-hmm. I'm the opposite. I think it. And then I run it through my heart to see whether it makes sense or not. So I do that. So that's one piece. The other piece that goes on in terms of perspective is I have a half full, not a half empty glass. And whether I was a child. Now, part of the optimist in me always sees the optimistic side and never, you know, I'm never the pessimist. In some cases, even not even as realistic because I'm always hoping and trying to keep hope alive, as Jesse would say. Right. So that, that becomes there. Right. But even as I lead now a university, that same value system about the half full glass right. rather than the half empty one right. colors and shapes the way in which I lead the university. So if you ask anybody on my team, they'll tell you, Dr. Parham is not interested in eight out of 10 reasons why something cannot be done. Mm-hmm. He's only yeah. interested in two out of 10 why it can find me the two out of 10 why we can do this, not the eight out of 10 why we can't. And so that's a value that has, has, has gone on, you know, for uh, for really my whole life. So. The perspective matters and the way in which you come to it, right. um, you know, to life and life circumstance matters. Uh, but also you have to have a sense of of, yeah. of confidence, a sense of efficacy, a sense of agency, if you will, that allows you to be confident enough to navigate the pathway yeah. to productivity and success and go. believe that you can be confident at being able to do it. So yeah. I don't ever worry about stubbing my toe making a mistake. I don't yeah. ever worry about running into a rough you know, space. I got to be able to move past those rocks of resignation and the stones of stagnation to be able to get to where I'm going. As long as i got my eyes set on the prize and I'm not going to let nobody turn me around. I mean, that's kind of how you move through that.
0: Right. And and, and for my listeners, you all have to understand this is a particular jewel alert that I can't let just fluff away. You know, the, the, the factor of having confidence in whatever your morals are or whatever you live by whatever your creed may be. That is part of what describes your internal compass and helps guide you when you can't necessarily see everything around you. That is something that we must stand, so, we must stand on. Because think about it. How many times do we hesitate on decisions that we're just not confident in or we're nervous about? And then you look at things where people are able to flow th- through things and you wonder how it's almost like repetition is second nature, but repetition builds that confidence. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, Doc, I got to go with you on that. I got to support that. Now, I'm, I noticed that you made a transition. Let's step to your collegiate studies. I noticed that you made a transition from California to St. Louis.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, is there anything that stood about stood out about that college that made you make that transition? Usually, sometimes I see people go just because they see a friend go there. But is there anything to you that stood out for you to
1: attend? So the answer is yes. But let me say yes and put pause because I need to back the tape up a little bit. OK, because there's an important tidbit that I don't want to miss with 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 our, our listeners here. OK, so is, is, what do you call it? A jewel moment. Let me drop a jewel, jewel, alert. Jewel, jewel alert. So I've stylized a piece of African wisdom over time. OK, and it says, hear me now life at its best is a creative synthesis of opposites in fruitful harmony. Let me say that again. Life at its best is a creative synthesis of opposites in fruitful harmony. Now it has a lot of different meanings, but one of them is that sometimes your greatest strength can also be your greatest weakness. Sometimes your greatest weakness, your greatest strength. And so I was blessed growing up to be a very, um, uh, you know, bright child. I mean, I could go to class and basically pay attention and still do better than most people who studied all night long, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But being a bright child, if that was my best strength, right. it was also my worst nightmare in some contexts because it made me a lazy student. Come on. And there's so much talent in the black community that exists because we have so many kids who are so bright, but also don't have to work hard to be able to navigate the spaces they're in. But at some point, you develop those habits so that you become, right, a lazy consumer, lazy student, lazy something, not working to your full potential. Yeah. And so, you know, you have to move past that. So I remember growing up, my mama would say, boy, you get these kind of grades, mostly, you know, A's and B's, mm-hmm. and you do no work. She said, if you did just a little bit of work, you'd be brilliant. And, of course, I was like every other kid. Yeah, mom, you know, in one ear, not the other. Yeah. So I want to fast forward into college because as I yeah, I'm a product of both public and parochial school and in in uh, grade school and high school,
0: right?
1: Um, and then went started college and then transferred in, in, into uh, from California State University Long Beach uh, locally, where I was thinking about a criminology major and pursuing a career in the criminal justice system.
0: Okay,
1: um, and decided that I would now I had a. Experience there working in a halfway house and then a community psych clinic and then decided psychology is my thing. Mm -hmm. So I transferred to the University of California, Irvine. And this is where I want to back the tape up because that's where I met my first mentor. And so part of what you want to do is, is think about aligning yourself with a mentor, what we call in African tradition, an MZ, right? Respected elder. And Joe White, the father of the black psychology movement, was my first mentor. Yes, and I took yes. Joe's class my first year there in African-American psychology. Got an A out of him, an A plus out of him, as a matter of fact. Okay. And about two or three months after class, I'm walking down the walkway and he's coming the other way, I guess, after about lunch. And we meet kind of in the middle of the walkway. And I said, as any respectful student would do, hey, Dr. White, how you doing? And he simply walked up to me, t and he put his arm around me. He said, young brother, that's what he called me. He said, young brother, he said, you have too much talent and you are too brilliant to be running around here playing basketball, chasing women. Now, remember that seed got planted by my mama years ago. Yes. But now I got mentor reinforcing that. Right. And he said, you already mastered my class. So he said, I want you to come follow me. Now, the last person said, come follow me, was walking on water in the Bible. And Joe ain't quite walked on water yet, but he was pretty close. And over the course of the next several weeks and months, he took me up to his office in the social science tower at the university. Yes. And he diagrammed my whole future upon about a 20 by 30 chalkboard. So, y'all got dry erase boards now. We had chalkboards back in the day.
0: Yeah, well, you said I, that I turned like chalk. Okay.
1: okay. Yeah. So, he diagrammed my whole future upon a little chalkboard right by his desk. And yes. he said, You've already done well on your book. So, we're going to tighten up on the rest of your grades so you're excelling. He said, You've mastered my class. I'm going to make you my teaching assistant as an undergrad. He said, and then once we do that, we're going to send you to graduate school and we're going to graduate school and get a master's degree. And then we're going to see you to get a PhD. And when I send you to be a psychologist, I'm not sending you just to be clinically good because you never know where your options are going to be. He said the key to the mental health is always having a broad range of choices and options. Yeah, and he said, so I want you to be clinically good, academic instruction, good research, good. And then the rest of it will just kind of flow. So I went to grad school trying to be the best. And then he said, after grad school, he said, you'll be able to write books, you'll be able to teach, you'll be able to do your research, do your clinical work, you know, see patients, do that kind of stuff. And then after he got to doing all this other stuff, he said to me, it's a true story. He said, one day you're going to be a bad mother, but don't you ever forget to be a basic brother. What was he saying? He's saying, even as you excel and you have a measure of success, don't ever forget where you come from. And don't ever forget to be able to kind of connect with folks. And so he also told me, he said, excellence will bring you opportunity. he says, you will never have to tell anybody how good you are. He said, just focus on producing excellence and excellence will bring you opportunity. And so when I left and then I worked with him over two years, right, and mentored me, Washington University in St. Louis is one of the schools I got accepted to. And I ended up accepting their offer to go there. Right. In graduate school, it was a very good counseling psych program. A lot of folk who were big in the field were there then. And Wash U as an institution is called the Harvard of the Midwest. I mean, that's a lot of academic, you know, uh, horsepower in that institution. Right. And then from Wash U, I was applying to my doctoral program after that and left to uh, go to Southern Illinois University in Carbondale. Okay. And so uh, Southern Illinois and this is what a lot of folk don't know. We, we, on an undergraduate level, we rate universities for like whole institutions. But on a graduate or professional school, you have to look at, you know, who does med school, the American Medical Association, who does the American Bar Association, who does the American Psychological Association. And Carbondale was a top five psych department back then. So I got in and got admitted and tried to excel and did my work and did my clinical work and learned how to teach and learned how to do research and did all that. And then came out and then uh, came back home to California, actually, to do my internship. So psychologists do internships like physicians do residency. Right. right. So I did right. that piece and then finished my dissertation, did all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once I became, I was a doctor at 27 years of age. And then as I was applying for jobs all around the country, uh, locally, down south, back east, whatever, I ended up accepting a position as an assistant professor on the faculty of the university of pennsylvania so i had an ivy league appointment my first year out of school so everything joe said came true Come on, man. you know everything he said came true so you talk about the journey of moving forward yes moving yes. through those schools was first of all planting the seed that it was possible for me to do that on, it was disciplining my behavior in a way that he said you got too much talent to be running around here playing basketball chasing women come follow me so He had to put something in, say, discipline your behavior to produce excellence that you're capable of doing. And then you'll just see where opportunities open up. And that's really been the story of my career right there.
0: Is it safe to say that that moment moment. was the key moment that ignited that fire?
1: Absolutely. 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 See, I've
0: come to a clear understanding. I want to switch lanes. Uh, Doc, I've come to the conclusion. But like a clear understanding that as as we continue to just simply live, you're going to face challenges and some well, many times those challenges come uh, unexpected. Can you think of a challenge in your life that stands out that you faced?
1: Oh, for sure. So behind me, you see this picture of a uh, brother, Cornel West, a good friend of mine. And Cornell argues in his ragging, if, if, and, and I want to say this because so many of our listeners pay attention to the personalities they see on TV, mm-hmm. but they don't study and, and embrace principle. Ooh. It's like they love Dr. King. Jewel alert. They love Dr. King. Ooh, I, I got a But they don't study heart. and embrace his, his principle. They love Brother Malcolm. You got on my wall. But they don't study and embrace principle. Don't read the thing he wrote. Same thing with Cornell. So Cornell argues that there's a duality to life experience. And in life, you will always have instances, right, on the good side of kind of positive energy, that spiritual energy that's there. But the flip side of that is there are instances of unjustified suffering, unmerited pain, and undeserved harm. Let me say that again. Unjustified suffering, unmerited pain, and undeserved harm. The question is not do things happen in your life, but rather how do you sustain some movement or momentum in the face of whatever adversity you are confronting? And so with that mindset, Come on. I've had a pretty blessed and privileged life. And even as I have colleagues, uh, you met Dr. Jackson, you know, one of my homeboys from, from uh, LA and the, uh, Irvine, who's now in the DC area. We used to always say that, that the only thing that will slow us down is tragedy and even that's only going to stop us for a moment because we are on our way to success avenue we're going to be in that space the mindset right ideas are the substance of behavior and so in that adversity whenever adversity has come you know it's been like whoa this is like deep but i've always tried to figure out okay how am i going to kind of navigate with it and you've got to be able to to employ what wade nobles calls three cultural dispositions Sometimes you have to improvise,
0: right? So So
1: if plan A ain't working, you got to go to plan B, right? Sometimes you got to transform so you can take a negative situation and transform it into something else. Lay people call that, right? Taking a lemon and making lemonade out of it, right? right. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you just got to rise above it where you got to transcend it and move past it. Brothers on the corner got a great saying. They say it just be like that sometimes. Sometimes it just be like that ain't nothing you can do about it. Can't change it. You just got to rise above it and keep on moving. So now to the specificity. So theoretically, that's kind of what I believe. That's part of that conceptual template I talked about. But I've been in a space where even two years ago, I got you know knocked on my backside with with a revelation that I got diagnosed with cancer. Now I don't drink, smoke, do drugs, uh, work out you know regularly. Have always been you know regularly healthy and got diagnosed with with cancer and i'm like whoa and uh once we were trying to figure out why i was having these you know headaches and massive stuff like taking the right side of my head just off we'll end up having a tumor down here that was hitting on this nerve branch block gotcha. that um we just creating so much pain in fact and i've seen this in movies too wood Mm -hmm. never saw it, thought it could happen where you have been so much pain. Like when they be torturing you, you pass out.
0: Right.
1: Well, I passed out three times passed out from the pain being so bad. And then it's like, "Mm, we got to do something with this. So finally we we got diagnosed and I'm running right here with cancer. Well, one, sometimes people will go, why me? What did I do? Why not me? You know, there's nothing special about me that I wouldn't get afflicted with. Everybody got across the bear mental preparation. And so I went through life. And so I tell Cornell, I, I I wasn't really joking with him. I was serious when I was giving him some love and saying that he reminds us in his writing mm-hmm. that we should never allow misery to have the last word. Let me say that again. Okay. You should never allow misery to have the last word. And mm-hmm. so I decided that cancer was not going to have the last word in my life. No. And I just and it wasn't you know, I just you feel it in your spirit. I'm like, God and the ancestors ain't through with me yet. So we're just going to move on this journey. We're going to put our boxing gloves on. We're going to fight. And I went through six months of chemo, six did months. all that. It is It is every bit of the crazy. It is a monster to go through that, mm. right? And it makes you sick and does all that. But I got up every day that I wasn't in that OR getting the interthecal piece in my spine because mm-hmm. they were worried about it traveling up into the base of my brain. other side, because the tumor was right up here. Right. in 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 the, the the throat and the oral larynx and the um uh, right by your um carotid sheet hmm. and went up and went to work every day, put a coat in time went and led my university and I'm a brand new president coming into the space and now getting diagnosed with cancer. I'm like, what's up with that <laughs> but what what brothers say it just be like that sometime. you just got to transit it, keep on moving, do what you can do. so hmm. my part was well, I can't do anything about the cancer. what I can do is, Put up the best fight, get the best diagnosis, get the best information, make the most informed decision about the treatment protocols I need to adhere to, mm-hmm. trust my doctors and physicians, right. and then right. do what they say and stick to it. And so I am now, this summer coming up, I will be hopefully, and I'm knocking on wood, two years cancer free. Right here with you. And, it and, with- in the space. and the scans so far have been clean. Mm-hmm. But again, it's about you know the mental preparation that you go through and i've had my doctors tell me in fact my internal med person told me this at my last physical he said right you have weathered this better than probably 95 to 98% of the people who have that diagnosis you have and go through that chemotherapy treatment that you've been through mm-hmm. and you've gotten through it and that's just that ain't nothing but god and the ancestors watching out for bro so i feel blessed and they just ain't finished with me yet. I got more work to do on behalf of our peeps. And um, I'm just loving being in the seat that I'm in. So it's adversity. It's a monster. Right. But, you know, I always believe ancestors been through worse than this. Come on. You know, we've been through worse than this. I keep a a picture of Brother Malcolm on the wall. And in my office at the university, I have a picture of the slave dungeons in Elmina and Cape Coast in, uh, in Ghana. Mm. because it always, t would it reminds me to contextualize struggle. Mm. See, now we run into a little inconvenience and we ready to like, and go crazy. Exactly. What I'm exactly. saying is if the ancestors could go through what they went through Great. to help us arrive at this particular space in time, Come on now. how dare me not muster the strength and the courage and the temerity to say, uh, I'm going to look this in the face and I'm going to keep on fighting. And don't know whether you're going to win the battle. But I am not. You, going you. Out. I ain't going Thank out you. like that. Outcome yeah. is never guaranteed. Come on. The, but what is guaranteed same. is if you lie down and just right. do nothing, right. it'll take you out. Come on. And now, that's I, how life experience is.
0: I got to harp on something that you just said uh, towards the end of that. Uh, still not necessarily having the outcome of the so-called win. If I'm going to fall, I would rather fall before still fighting, you know, and and that is a perception. That is a a concept that I I really roll by. Uh, When you said strengthen yourself, I want to make sure my listeners understand you were not able to just survive that and continue to survive that based on your DNA and your body structure that was being strengthened. A lot of that came here that you had to be. It, Doc, is it safe to say that no matter how strong the body is, uh, because we all know how mentally you could start worrying yourself to where you have somatic feelings in the term of mental health. That is mm-hmm. when mentally you know you could believe something, and it literally you start to feel it somatic. Uh, but is it safe to say that a strong mind can raise the chances of, of overcoming something that is physically attacking you?
1: Strong mind is 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 essential. Because it's half the battle. It not only manages your stress, but it helps you muster the courage you will need to move through adversity. I mean, a strong mind doesn't take away fear. Fear is a natural response to something that, that, that could potentially take your life and take you out of here. It's normal to be afraid. But what courage does is help you cope with it and 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 triumph through the fear to keep on keeping on in the face of adversity. When you go to church on Sunday and you hear the preacher or the, or the gospel choir singing, it may be darkest in the night, but when the morning comes, everything going to be all right. It's about persevering through adversity in those moments in our life. And so life is just like that. And Cornell was right. You always have unjustified suffering, unmerited pain, undeserved harm. The boss ain't going to like you. Relationships ain't going to work out. You're going to lose a job. You might have cost yourself a thing. You might have stumbled your toe. But every moment, my brother is a teaching moment. Every moment is a teaching moment. And so what you do is you take those as the teachable moments and you just learn from and say, how am I going to now move forward and move past it so that I can keep on keeping on?
0: Mm. Can pride, ego, those things come into play of deterring you from pressing forward? Can you see those things
1: blocking an individual? So the short answer is yes. And you know, part of what th- there's there is I try to avoid getting into spaces where I talk about that's the wrong way, and the right way to do it. Right? Yeah. Gotcha. In African tradition and psychology, we have kind of ordered and disordered behavior, like what's ordered and what's disordered, right? You go. Ordered behavior are things that that really help and facilitate the human organism. So When I go through situations, I'm not saying is right or wrong. What I'm saying is, if I'm trying to get to this goal Mm -hmm. and achieve this outcome, what I want to know is what behaviors, what feelings, what attitudes can I employ Mm -hmm. that either facilitate or inhibit me -hmm. getting to that goal? And once I can interrogate that, I try to stay on the facilitation side, get away from the inhibition side. Mm-hmm. and go from there so when you talk about pride mm-hmm. a certain level of pride right in moderation is good cuz it helps you feel good about accomplishment right. but too much pride mm. right? right too much ego too much right yeah self-aggrandizement all that is, is 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 it gets you into a space where it's not there what you don't want to do is move to the point of being so narcissistic mm. right that you can't see anything other than yourself.
0: Jewel alert. But you
1: also don't want to be right so um other indulged that you neglect yourself as well. Mm-hmm. You know, cuz you're so enmeshed in other people's issues that you don't really take care of yourself as well. You got to have some self-up in it as well. So you've mm-hmm. got to find the balance in the middle again. Life at its best is a creative synthesis of opposites and fruitful harmony.
0: When we take a step back, And we look at everything, well, specifically what you experienced in your battle with cancer and your push with cancer and your perseverance that you continue to show till today to be able to sit here and smile on this camera, you know, with positivity in your voice. When you take a look at that, this is a quote that I live by. Uh, Sometimes in life, and I say it everywhere I go, sometimes in life, we have to pull from what we've been through in order to conquer what we're currently going through. And I'm looking at that situation that you overcame and continue to do every day. What is something in your mind right now that stands out that you would pull and use just pressing forward from what you're what you've been through in your battle with cancer.
1: So part of it is I think um The fact that I got surprised and shocked and really gut punched with the diagnosis is a good piece to go that, again, life will present you with those instances of the unjustified suffering, unmerited pain, undeserved harm. So that's true. What also I pulled from that is that while everybody surrounded me with nothing but love and support, that old adage, what goes around comes around sure does matter. Because in that respect, I've tried to live my life loving on other people, try to extend myself, be a servant leader, do that peace. And there was nothing but love coming from every corner of the globe that I know people in who were sending me notes and encouragement and praise and whatever. And, you know, as I talk to, to God and I talk to the ancestors and, and do that, they just have a way of letting you know that, no, we got you on this. And so part of that is a deep faith, right? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen, not-
0: right?
1: right? And so part of what you do is you just have to have faith right, in that process. And, and you do and know that, you know, as you're on that kind of spiritual journey, that that then my journey becomes a teaching moment for some other people who have their own adversities to, to go through. And, you know, while I had to struggle with that, it also made sense, I think, as I get ready to go through almost every challenge. Mm -hmm. It goes back to that piece I was trying to drop earlier about the need to contextualize struggle, because now when you run into adversity, COVID. Right. Right. We got COVID jumping up on us and people like, oh, you know, Mm -hmm. now partly. I'm a psychologist. I manage crisis for a living. I've been in that space where I've had to decide, am I going to put this person in the hospital against their will because they think about taking their life tonight? Or am I going to trust their judgment and sleep with one eye open, hoping that I made the right decision and they don't go do something right. Crazy.
0: Measuring their so diagnosis.
1: I manage life and death for a living, right? Mm-hmm. All of my professional career. Yes. So all those are teachable moments. That allow you to learn how to navigate crisis, how to negotiate that space, how to seek consultation, how to view broad opinion and how to make the most informed choice that you can. That is principled and anchored. And again, that set of values that you set up in that conceptual template that then provide you a pathway forward. Now, is it always the right decision? You don't know, because right is always in the perspective of the beholder. But as long as it's a principled decision, Come on now. as long as it is a principled decision. Come on. Right and then, it's there. I mean, we're in the midst of COVID. T will stay with me on this one now.
0: Gotcha.
1: You got half the country talking about we want to open up schools, okay, and businesses. We want them opened up yesterday, right. right? Because they're losing money, and the parents are tired of being home with the kids. And now we got tremendous respect for teachers now, mm-hmm. because we know how hard it is to do what they do every day. They do right. right. And, and we we you know and and this is the irony of this now. Let me make a small digression here. Okay. We pay athletes who entertain us millions of dollars a year to entertain us with sport. Facts. And they got degree to first, some of them. But teachers who we trust with the intellectual growth and development of our babies got to go on strike to earn $50,000 a year. Ooh. Something wrong with that picture. But now we have tremendous respect for teachers going through this space. But back to the issue now, let me quit digressing. Because it is hard. In the midst of COVID, as COVID is a crisis, the crisis didn't derail me because we've been through crisis before. So when you talk about, can you go into the reservoir of your experience and pull it out Come on. and say, what do you need to go through? Come on. As you've been through crisis and know you can navigate that and you know how to navigate the space. Right. It may be a new context, mm-hmm. but you know, generally the principle is still the same about how you move through it. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. Yeah. And whether it's budget cuts, whether it's, Financial crisis, even some of the social unrest we've been through. We got a tripartite crisis going on in the country right now. With all the social unrest and George Floyd and Brown and Taylor and Alma Aubrey, and all the folk that, you know, too numerous a name that came before them. Mm-hmm. This isn't new. They said America is just finally waking up to the stuff. Right, what yeah. is, however, is the coalition of people that are crossing demographic boundaries. Right. How the Black Lives Matter. I haven't seen that in my life. And mm-hmm. I grew up in that marvelous militancy of the 60s and 70s. That's I haven't that's seen it in my life in that kind that's that's that's. of manner. Wow. That's the piece that's there. So, yes, you can pull on a reservoir of experiences that help you navigate right future challenges that you will have to face. And that's what our leaders want to do. But l- let me wax and wane on something else for a moment. I know you got other questions for me, and I'll be glad to stay on as long as you'd like. But you, in that space, the biggest problem we face as a people, I'm talking about African descent people now.
0: Gotcha.
1: You turn on the news every day. You'll hear drugs, gangs, mm-hmm. violence, mm-hmm. poverty, right. racism, white supremacy. They're all big obstacles. right? In my mind, they're big obstacles, but not the biggest. right? Hmm. The biggest obstacle we face as a people is what I call the need for mental liberation. Here we go. Somebody got to understand, right? Somebody got to understand that when the first thing an enslaver does when they capture people is they lock down your body, hands, ankles, sometimes a chain around your neck. Mm -hmm. But the very next thing they go after is putting a chain on your mind, a shackle Mm -hmm. on your mind. So that even when they give you the illusion of emancipation, let me say That's that again. You can hear me. Even when they give you the illusion of emancipation, 1863 or five, wherever you were in the country when they did that, you and you like got the news, mind. as long as they still got a shackle on this, you will always act in opposition to your own best interests because they still got your mind. So right. I try to, to work with folk and help folk understand that that becomes our biggest challenge. And what we can't control is really the heart and minds of some other people who are just intent on doing evil. What we can control is our own behavior. Marcus Garvey was clear, brother, when he argued that chance never satisfies the hope of a suffering people. It's only through hard work, persistence and self-reliance by which the oppressed ever realize the light of their own freedom. So not only am I hanging out with Marcus Garvey on one side, but I want to introduce the people and your listeners to go pick up this book by Carter G. Woodson, mm-hmm. it is called The Miseducation of the Negro. That book is so important, The Miseducation of the Negro. It is so important in my mind as an African-centered psychologist that every home that's black in America needs to have some kind of spiritual book on one end of the bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Don't matter to me whether it's a Bible a Quran, or something, find some kind of spiritual book so you know something's bigger than you out there in the universe. And on the other end, got to be Carter Woodson. Mm -hmm. Because Carter G. Woodson argued, 1933, if I remember the the date right on his text, Mm -hmm. when he wrote the original one. But he argued that if you allow a people to control the way you think, you don't have to assign them to an inferior status. If necessary, they will seek it for themselves. And so as I fashion my own sense that the biggest challenge we face is the need for mental liberation, part of what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. In everything we do, whether I'm doing therapy, whether I'm teaching a class, whether I'm talking to a crowd of 50 of your listeners, right, Right, on Triumphant Moments or Mm -hmm. an arena full of like five or 10,000 people, which I've done lots of times in my life. I'm always trying to think about how can I give them some keys to systematically unlock those shackles of conceptual incarceration that keep them locked in the abyss of the way things have always been in their life rather than the way things can be. There you go. There you go.
0: Listeners, listen up, man. Uh, It's funny. We say uh, how we are many times a product of our environment. People get it so misunderstood. Our environment transcends far beyond what we see and feel in the elements. Our environment actually exists here.
1: And so you got you to gotta help people remember it. And, and, and that's particularly when you have people who, who come from from circumstances that are poverty stricken and violence ridden. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's lots of stuff that just goes on mm-hmm. and you feel sorry for folk. But I, I, I'm here to remind your listeners today, brother, that circumstances are places we come from, mm-hmm. not who we are at the core of our being. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important to go to, if you go back and you look at some of the work by Brother Franz Fanon, mm-hmm. I said there were three critical questions everybody had to be able to ask and answer. Let me say that again three critical questions everybody had to be able to ask and answer. Number one, who am I? What is my nature, my essence, my character? Hmm. Number two, am I who I say I am? Meaning, what is the level of convergence and divergence between what I say and what I do? You. <laughs> right? Are you, are you, Having a high degree of congruence, mm-hmm. or like James Brown used to say, you just talk aloud, saying nothing. You talk mm-hmm. about that big apple, but afraid to take a bite. Right? Congruence. And the third question, am I all I ought to be, is about with all of the potential that I have been blessed with, Right. am I actualizing my potential in a way that allows me to get the best out of myself
0: Excellent. in each
1: and every circumstance? And so, Excellent. if you're clear about who you are at the core of your being, right. 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 You may not be in that space. See, I think people may come from violent surroundings, but still have peaceful hearts. Mm-hmm. You may come from poverty, but still have richness in your spirit. Yes. Right. You may yes. come from an environment where you don't have a lot of books and intellectual capital, but it doesn't make you any less right. You mm-hmm. may fail a test, but it doesn't make you not smart.
0: On, you may commit
1: man. a crime, but it doesn't make you a criminal. Criminal activity <laughs> is what you did. It is not who you are to call your wow. And as soon as a system can convince you mm-hmm. that who you are is a function of right, right. The, the the behavior you engaged in, mm-hmm. rather than really helping you understand at the core of your being who are you, That's that chain. then they'll label you a criminal. They'll label you not smart. They'll label you dumb. They'll label you this or that. Mm-hmm. When people got to understand circumstances or places we come from, not who we are at the core of your being. And there's a fundamental difference between right who we are. Yeah. And what we do.
0: Look, when I step back, uh, we're at a point where there's something that I, I, I created. I call it encouragement for free. And no matter everything that we've gone over, Dr. P, uh, what is something right now for all our listeners? It could be something a creed you live by, it could be something that we've gone over uh, through the segment of the show. What is some encouragement for free that you can provide no matter what they're going through to all of our listeners?
1: Encouragement for free. Yes, sir. Is this a jewel alert?
0: This is absolutely a jewel alert. I'm holding on to my seat right now.
1: So if it's important to understand who you are at the core of your being, then I want to remind our listeners that each of you brothers and sisters, is a seed of divinely inspired possibility, which when nurtured in its proper context can and will grow into the fullest expression of all you are supposed to become. And so the organizations, the families, the other things that you are part of should be the nurturing soil into which your seed of divinely inspired possibility is placed. Hmm. And if we water it with the drops of intellectual nourishment, if we give it and sprinkle it with the values, right, the miracle grow in our life. Mm-hmm. If we take the tools and we till the soil and take the weeds of social distraction out of our life to get us caught up and doing some of this crazy stuff we'd be doing sometimes. Mm-hmm. If we give it just enough sunlight of affirmation, to help people feel good about who they are and just enough shade of critique so that when they get offline, you pull them by the collar and say, straighten up, young man or young woman. And then you just stand back and watch them grow until the fullest expression of all they are supposed to become. If each of us, T. Wood, is a seed of divinely inspired possibility. Come on. Then what we have to do is think about creating the nurturing environments and the soil mm-hmm. that allow those seeds to, sp- to prosper. Now, as life would have it, there are always these crazy incidents we talked about, right? because all of us have seen. A plant withering on the side of the road. Folk with the green thumb Mm notice, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it got too much sunlight, right? Felt too good about themselves, a little narcissistic, got caught up, right? Getting too arrogant. Maybe they had too much shady critique. They got abused as a child, got, you know, something wrong. They were unjustly accused by the police, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you see plants withering on the side of the road. But a plant that made a mistake failed a test in school. Doesn't lose its divinity. Hmm. So, green thumb people understand, T. Wood, that if I were to go and I dig that plant up down at the bulb level, even with all the weeds, take all the weeds off, take them away, clean it up, still got the bulb, and I take that bulb and I plant it in some nurturing soil. What happens to it if I give it some good water, not the nasty stuff it's been exposed to and the toxicity in its environment? If I give it some more miracle growth, some nutrients, some values, cool. some indoctrination that helps them really right, develop a mm-hmm. level of right mental fortitude and, and emotional right, mm-hmm. fortitude there. Right. Give them a little courage, little, 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 little inspiration, is there. there? If I give them just enough sunlight of affirmation, just enough shade of critique, and I still continue to till the soil and take the weeds of distraction, what it's happens nice. to that ball? It'll grow and continue to sprout. You do not lose your divinity because you stubbed your toe, because you failed a test, because you committed a crime, because you had a child out of wedlock, because you, whatever you did in life. Come on, right? right? It does not lose fundamentally who you are, and that's why it's so important mm. to remember what Fanon said about those three questions. You got to understand: Who am I? Am I who I say I am, mm. and am I all I ought to be? So I hope people understand that each of you, my friends, is that seed of divinely inspired possibility. Mm. And if you can just find a way to be nurtured in a proper context, Mm. you can and will grow into the fullest expression of all you are supposed to become.
0: Come on. Listeners, listen, listen, listen. listen. Dr. P, first and foremost, I want to thank you for coming here on the show. Um, You are Family, you know that I will be reaching out to you. We will be communicating. Um, is there any place on social media that people can seek you out if they wanted to follow any projects that you've done, uh, any particular books that are out there, or things that are sort of, or some that you may have anticipation of uh, creating, or anything out there that you could put out there right now?
1: So, uh, I only have most of what I've written. I think uh, are in journal articles. I only have I don't know probably six books, maybe. I don't have that many. Um, (laughs) uh, But most of those you can find just Google Thomas A. Parham or Doctor Parham, and you'll find some of that uh, on Amazon. Everything's available there. Yeah, most of the other stuff is in libraries and journal articles. You know that, but what I've been proud of is most of my scholarship is about people of African descent. Mm-hmm. It's about multicultural issues and multicultural counseling, and about respecting the dignity and humanity of everybody. Mm-hmm. So they can certainly find that. Mm-hmm. I tried to stay off of social media on my career, T Wood, okay. and my team uh, members talked me into getting on social media. So I do have a a, a, a Twitter account. Woo! I'm on, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter every now and then. Okay. So if I pull up my phone. And I look at, let me see if I can just even pull up Twitter for your listeners here. Where's my Twitter account? Uh, Just so they know. Yeah, that's T. Parham on Twitter right there. So uh, my handle there is at CSUDH. So that stands for Cal State University, Dominguez Hills. So at CSUDH, P-R-E-Z, Parham. Hmm. And that's my Twitter account. So if want to follow me and look at what we're doing? That's where I'm at. Um, and so I'm always trying to affirm some folk. If you look on the, the latest tweets I put on there, we were celebrating Women's History Month and thanking them for the sacrifices they make. We were speaking out against the violence against brothers and sisters in the Asian American community. You know, if if we were were celebrating the perseverance of our students moving through this COVID piece to be able to keep on keeping on in the face of that adversity, um, I had to put out a couple pieces that I put in the. LA sentinel newspaper called the battle for the soul of a nation with this election that we just went on where folk had to really come to grips with the fact that you, we really were in a struggle for the soul of this nation and the kind of scandalous inconsistency that this democracy Uh experiment uh has been engaged in for a while. So you'll see some of that that's out there. Um, But it's always about trying to use my platform to try to help define and frame the discourse on what people ought to be, you know, experiencing and thinking about but always with a mind on trying to support the dignity and humanity of all members of the human family. And uh, I can't leave the show today without complimenting you brother, because our people do not have forums like this to be able to not only share thoughts, but also when you talk about triumphant moments, right? We have a lot of pain in our space. We have a lot of wounded spirits in our community. We have Thank a lot of folk who have just been through stuff. Thank you. Right, and so when you have triumphant moments and the platform that you've developed to help people do that, Absolutely. then anytime you can use other people's stories as an example to let other folk know that yes, you can do it too. Go I think again. it provides encouragement, it provides support, it provides reassurance, mm-hmm. and it provides really a level of, of, of elevated uh, 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 mood, where yes, people yes. can say, yes, if they can do it, I can do it. It's that notion of universality we talk about right in group therapy. Right, and so right. if we've been helpful to anybody on today's show, right. today they can rise above their condition come on, right come and on. move through it. Mm-hmm. That everything you need to be successful is already in you, given to you by the ancestors and the creator. All yeah, you got to oh, do yeah, is oh. access it. You're it's right. what Fukuyo calls that self-healing power in his book, Self-Healing Power and Therapy. Everybody has a battery charge, that spiritual energy that they can seek in that reservoir to bring it out. And lastly, I'll say, even for people in my position, people say, well, he don't talk like a university president. Why not? Because I I was a black man before. I'm going to be just like Brother Malcolm. I didn't come here in life as a Republican, or Democrat. I didn't come as a Mason or Elk. Didn't come as a Kappa or Q or Alpha or Sigma. Didn't come whatever job. I came here as a black man. And I'm going to leave this world as a black man. Right. Respecting everybody's humanity, whether you are white, black, blue, brown or purple in this world. Right. But I always remind people about Brother Fanon. Beyond those three questions, Fanon said that each generation, T. Wood, Mm -hmm. out of relative obscurity, Uh must reach out and seek to fulfill its legacy or betray it. Right. We occupy the places we do right now in this world because the ancestors sacrificed to make sure that we could be at this space and time. How dare us give up? How dare us get frustrated? How dare us engage in some of the foolishness we engage in as a people? Hmm. Run around with colors, you know, crips and bloods and red and blue and fighting over concrete, right? We don't own a square inch of Hmm. taking live when you don't understand that You should not be subjecting yourself to violence and crime in a way that violates the legacy that you've been blessed to inherit. So if each of us has an opportunity to fulfill a legacy or betray it, then our challenge, my challenge, Hmm. is not simply to be a servant leader, but to go through this world, managing my university, using my platform, right, to be able to fulfill the legacy that I've been blessed to inherit. And I thank you for having me today on your show, brother. It's been an honor and a prayer. Thank you.
0: With that being said, understanding, Triumph Moments family. Thank you, Dr. P. Sometimes in life, you must fail in order to succeed. But one thing must remain certain, that you never, under any circumstances, give up. This is Triumph Moments. I'm T. Wood. I'm with my brother, Dr. P. Thank you all.